process, which includes rinsing and scrubbing, uh, lathering, scrubbing, and wiping off the faucet. I know the answer. I know you're very good about washing your hands, Andrew. That's <laughs> why... Uh, I know that... In seconds. Okay, how you many? go first. In, in seconds. Because I know the answer. Are we you saying, like, from answer. dirty hands to clean hands, how long does that yeah, process take? Yeah, including just, like, put, turning on the faucet, wetting your hands, 45 lathering, seconds. 45. Wait, including turning on the faucet? Yeah, the whole process. Oh. I thought you just meant like There's this. a range, actually. It should be 20 seconds while you're actually scrubbing. Oh, oh I... Mm. <laughs> okay. 42? 45. 45 and 20. 20. All right, let's take a look at what WHO says. 40, 40 to 60 what? seconds. What? Nobody counts the time when you turn on the faucet. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that's the whole process. Oh, no, you that's right. <laughs> I'm just talking about the actual scrubbing part. Okay. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? In 2016, the Argentine filmmaker Marcos Rodriguez explored the lives of Taiwanese immigrants who had made his country home during a period of around 20 years. Though many of these Taiwanese people have since left Argentina, Rodriguez remembers a time when they filled a section of Buenos Aires called the Barrio Chino, or Chinatown. He now plans to shoot a sequel to his film in Taiwan, following the stories of some of those who've made their way back to Taiwan. Andrea Wong of RTI Spanish Service hasn't seen Rodriguez's film, but she doesn't really have to. She remembers well the place and time he seeks to depict. She was only six when she came to Argentina with her Taiwanese family. Today, she's one of four Argentine nationals of Taiwanese descent at RTI Spanish Department, a telling sign of the outsized role this group plays in the life of Spanish-speaking Taiwan today. Andrea joins me in the studio today to share a story that closely follows the arc Rodriguez is trying to create with his films. She says the first big wave of Taiwanese immigrants to arrive in Argentina came sometime between 1975 and 1978. Taiwanese people kept arriving, though, into the 1990s, often in search of a better future for their children. Andrea's own family arrived in 1983, just ahead of the peak of Taiwanese immigration. She says her family decided to go because they were afraid of an invasion from communist China after the U.S. broke off ties with Taiwan in 1979. Argentina offered a way out. Most immigrants were of modest means, and Andrea says they chose Argentina because at the time it had an open immigration policy, one that wasn't ruinously expensive. At the time when Andrea and most Taiwanese arrived, the Falklands War with the UK had just recently ended, and financial instability was in the air. She says many Taiwanese people ended up opening grocery stores. She's been told that during her childhood, inflation meant that some of these groceries had to update prices up to three times a day. But she was just a little over six at the time, and by the time she became aware of these things, the situation had become much more stable. 
我们那时候的中文学校就在 Barrio Chino。那个地方呢，除了有一个中文学校。Rodriguez's 2016 documentary focuses on the Chinatown of Buenos Aires, at the time largely populated by Taiwanese immigrants. Andrea and her family didn't live there, but it was a place they ended up going to quite often. Every Saturday, her family sent her there to attend a Chinese language school. It was a pleasant place filled with storybooks and other kid-friendly materials that you could borrow. Something especially precious in that pre-internet time. The neighborhood was also the place to go shopping. 附近呢也开了第一家中国料理的一些原料。It was home to Argentina's first shop selling ingredients for making traditional Chinese cuisine. All of the mushrooms, soy sauce, and sesame oil you just couldn't get anywhere else at the time. The owner imported it all from Taiwan. The thing she remembers most about the neighborhood is the noise that always filled the Chinese language school. 在上课的时候很吵闹，因为我们不是一间一间的教室，它是一片一个大的一个。There were no proper classrooms, just a big hall split up with thin dividers. This meant that things got loud as young kids just learning to read chanted their lessons, and older kids mastering classical Chinese recited the texts they were learning too. It was all a babel of sound. They would go to the evening school's language school. Most of the kids at the school grew up speaking Spanish in their outside life. Even if, like Andrea, they arrived in Argentina not understanding a word, they were kids and so had time to absorb the language all day at school. Things were much harder for their parents, who likewise arrived with no Spanish. Many simply made do, learning in a piecemeal fashion as they ran their businesses. Others went to night classes held at public schools. The Chinese speakers in these adult courses jokingly called them milk classes because just like school kids during the day, all night class students got a state-sponsored bottle of milk too. 我觉得第一代是没有融入他们当地的社会，应该讲我们父母都是很。Generally, though, she says the first generation never quite managed to meld itself into the surrounding culture. And though she herself came as a six-year-old, she includes herself in that first-generation category. It was only the immigrant children who didn't go to Chinese school on the weekends that seemed to be more like the locals. She herself was probably somewhere in between. She had plenty of Argentine-born friends, but on Sundays, the day after Chinese school, she would still often spend much of the day with fellow immigrant friends, the sort of people who just seemed to get it and had the same concerns and struggles. She says this group of friends and many others around her age with the same kind of background always felt that they were neither quite entirely Argentinian nor entirely Taiwanese. That's still often true, she says, even years after taking Argentine citizenship and mastering the Spanish language. Because I have a brother, he's older than me. Boys have more experience with cultural differences. She says she remembers that girls seem to have an easier time fitting in. Her older brother, while never exactly bullied, had a bit of a hard time with the schoolboys his age. While fitting in wasn't quite a problem, though, the language was a challenge for a long time. 我只记得我第一句话要学的是说我要去厕所，然后跟他表达我需要的一些需求。When she first came to Argentina, she was in first grade and understood nothing of what went on around her. She clearly remembers that the first Spanish phrases she learned were learned out of necessity. Things like telling her teachers that she needed to go to the bathroom, and when she wasn't saying phrases like these, she was mostly just silent, observing what her classmates were doing. Fortunately, she says she had wonderfully supportive teachers. 
and she says her report cards show how patient they were. 小一、小二就是我到那边第一、第二年，他都写非常好。可是我很有疑惑，怎么可能非常好？因为我都听不懂。They all said she was excellent. Something she says she still doubts when she remembers how little she actually understood. By third or fourth grade, she could speak pretty well, but homework was a big challenge. 我妈妈本身也没有办法帮助我在功课课业方面，所以我都要自己想办法。那我就查字。She couldn't turn to her non-Spanish-speaking parents for help either. Instead, she had to use a paper dictionary to complete writing assignments. This was once again the pre-internet era. She says it was rough having to piece together sentences to try to express what she wanted to say. Again, she says teachers were patient and kind. 到小学六年级的时候，因为要学校有作文的方面，才慢慢的就。It wasn't until around sixth grade that she started to feel more comfortable with grammar and other difficulties the Spanish language presents to learners. By this point, she'd grown confident and become thoroughly bilingual. Her friends came from all different backgrounds, and her family was doing well too. It was, by all accounts, another immigrant success story. But by this point, Andrea had become more self-aware and had to come to terms with her identity. Next week, she'll be back with us again to tell us how her sense of self evolved over time. She'll also be telling us why Taiwanese immigration proved short-lived in Argentina and why many later decided to return to Taiwan. Finally, though, she'll be telling us why even those who did choose to leave still feel a warm closeness to Argentina all the same—a closeness Andrea herself even hopes to pass on to her son. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. The sound of the Puyuma tribe on Radio Taiwan International. Stroke of Light, a portrait of Taiwan through the eyes of painters, sculptors, filmmakers, and photographers. Hello and welcome back to this week's Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen. Now we're going to continue our usual coverage of the ongoing series, but before we do that, I'm going to start with a rather different question today. 
What can the carcass of a slaughtered ox tell us? And what makes such a subject matter so significant that several artists from different countries and across different generations have made paintings of it? Now, with those questions in mind, let us take a look at the slaughtered ox, the latest painting by Mr. Shi Jinhua. We mentioned in previous episodes that Shi has been trying to recreate a series of artworks by his favorite artists. Some of the artists are the biggest names in art history, including Edward Manet, Alberto Giacometti, and Beethoven. And in this process, he doesn't just retrace the footsteps of these past greats and pay homage to their crowning achievements. He also tries to explore new possibilities in a given medium, as well as trying to find new significance in the subject matters. So far, we have looked at how Mr. Shi managed to recreate several pieces of paintings and sculptures. Most of the subject matters in these artworks are things that I would say are relatively common. For instance, these include a number of strangers walking by each other with little interaction, as shown by the sculpture created by Giacometti, or an artist who climbs a mountain in an endless quest of self-discovery. Or a lonely dog, through which the artist projects the sense of loneliness and helplessness of himself into it. However, the subject matter that we'll be looking at this week is a very, very extreme case, one that most people don't get to see at all. We're talking about the carcass of an ox. We rewind back to year 1655. And renowned Dutch painter and draftsman Rembrandt made the first known painting of the subject matter. The painting is called "The Slaughtered Ox," and it shows exactly just that. The entire canvas is filled with a bloody scene straight out of a slaughterhouse movie. The carcass of an ox, which is cut open right from the middle, and is shown hanging on the rack. The ox two feet on top are pulled to two opposing directions, further stretching the carcass and exaggerating the opening in the middle, and revealing more of the innards of the dead bull. The inside of its guts is completely open, and Rembrandt has made sure to paint the innards, the flesh, the dried and brown blood. And the shredded tissues and bone structures, and really just everything you could think of on the inside of a bowl, with painstaking details. And it is not just the ox body that a painter had given attention to. The surrounding scene has been given quite a treatment as well. Rembrandt has deliberately darkened areas surrounding the hanging carcass, and he's also obscured the subjects surrounding it. Including the bloody tools, presumably used for the slaughter, the other carcasses in the background, and the shape of the rack on which the carcass is hung. This dark and obscure presence of the background makes an already bloody and very uncomfortable scene that much more grotesque, mysterious, and upsetting. Now, if you think this subject matter is difficult to see, now let's imagine how hard it was to paint. 
which makes it all the more baffling because at least three known versions of the same subject matter has since been painted since Rembrandt completed his first version. In the 1600 alone, three different versions of the bloody slaughtered ox were painted at three different angles by three followers of Rembrandt. And hundreds of years later, in 1925, Soutin, another known painter, also painted the carcass of a beef, which is the same subject matter. So what draws all these very talented and dedicated artists into painting something so upsetting? Please stay tuned. In the next episode, we'll try to get an answer to that question and try to look at Mr. Xu's own interpretation of the scene. Thank you for listening to Stroke of Light. I'm Jake Chen, and I'll talk to you next week. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Alright, welcome to Feast Meets West. I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Hello. How are you doing, boo-boo? Oh, I'm doing just fine. You know, kids are back in school. It's just kind of like vacation now. For you. I know. Because they were homeschooled, actually. You know, the school was kind of shut down for two weeks. Well, it was that's on top of the winter vacation, which was already how many weeks? That is one month already. What did you do with your kids? Well, they had like online teaching and online homework. So it's kind of like, you know, trying to make them to do their work every day. <laughs> so every day is a brand new routine that I'm kind of like the homeschool mom. So basically, like, it, it turned all of these teachers into, like, YouTubers, and it turned mom and dad into daycare. And right. <laughs> so, you know, there is a lot of tension building up with the, you know, kids and parent. Yeah, tell me about that. And tell me about the homework. What kinds of stuff did they have to do? I mean, were they sitting in front of the computer oh, all day? Or? They ha- well, you know, some schools, uh, for most of the international schools, some of the international schools, they have, you know, kids need to log into their computer mm. and teacher will be online with them, you know, just like regular school hours. Mm. But for our school, teachers just threw out links Ooh. of teaching. Wait, what do you mean? Like, it's not the actual teacher teaching, like, the math subject. And the teacher just kind of, like, you know, toss out, like, links. Introducing, like, different subjects. From different YouTube. Uh Uh-huh. You know, teaching them, like, math. How to do the math work they're supposed to learn in class. And then the kids watch the links. And then they do their homework. And they have to answer questions based on what the video said. And some teachers even assign, you know, certain day at certain hour, 
he will be online giving out quiz. Oh wow! Yes, and that teacher happened to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not going to apologize on his behalf. <laughs> your kids well, are getting well, an education. Well, yes, I mean he's a good teacher. Okay, mm-hmm. I have to say, and also he would, you know, give out this time like 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. I will be opening up. For kids to sign up for their social project, you know, Explorer mm-hmm. at 7 a.m. That's crazy. When does school usually start? Eight. <laughs> okay. And he puts up the link. I don't know if he can like preset and put up the link, uh-huh. but it was there 7 a.m. So most of the kids made their parents, of course, wake up early to sign up for their Explorer because to- each Explorer can only be signed up by Maxima two kid. Yeah, you're talking to like uh, Ponce de Leon and like yes. uh, Captain Cook and yes, and, all uh, these all Clark the and Lewis, yeah, all these explorers. <laughs> so my daughter told me, Mom, you know, I'm finishing on my homework and it's like 12 a.m. already, so I can't wake up at seven. Can you wake up at seven? And you're like, but you're telling me this now, and, and I'm already you sign know. <laughs> me up for Amerigo. Wow, Vespucci! I know that dude. Yes. So he, <laughs> she wanted this dude. So the next morning, of course, I didn't wake up at seven a.m. I figure, come oh, on, no. you know, who's gonna wake up at seven a.m.? Okay. So I woke up at eight twenty. Oh no! And I open up my phone. And I clicked the link to sign up. <laughs> oh, no. Amerigo, Amerigo. Already Two of them taken. All taken. Oh, so no. So 15 kids, 15 kids already signed up. Oh, my goodness. And they have a total of 25 kids in the classroom. So the 10 unlucky ones. Yeah. So with uh, I, parents who were in bed. I had to find <laughs> another one. But, you know, the worst part was when she woke up. <laughs> I'm like, Rihanna, I have some bad news. She's like, what? I'm like, I didn't get a marigold. But but I signed up another one. Uh I think I signed up Maligen? Magenta. Magellan. Magellan. Yes. yes. That's I said, a good one. Yeah. I said, that's a good one, okay? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't know if any of them were really good. It's an iconic <laughs> one, okay? Certainly one we've heard of, yes. And then she just totally meltdown uh-huh. and start crying. Oh, no. I don't want... Magellan. Yeah. <laughs> I want a marigold. Why didn't you wake up at seven? I'm just like... You're like, I got up at 7.01, and they already signed up. <laughs> so I was looking at her with furious eyes. I'm just like, you can't wake you up. you get up? Right. Exactly. I said, you know, I went to bed as late as you did, and even later, because I have to put you guys in bed. And then you got up earlier. And then I tried to get up earlier, but unfortunately, mm. you can't get up early, so I can't get up early. So right. too bad. There you go. Exactly. So what grade is your daughter in? Uh, grade three. Grade three. Right. And the pressure is already on. Right. Wow. But, you know, for my son, who's always laid back, <laughs> he never complained about the homework being, like, overloaded. <sighs> and it's like every morning you ask him, do you have homework today? Mm. It's like, maybe. No. <laughs> I did everything. Wow. And then when I go into his, you know, electronic Google Classroom... And I always find 
different things that he needs to do. Oh, no. Oh. So, uh, one day, like, you know, halfway through the break, I actually had to sit down and open up his mail from day one uh-huh. all the way up to that point oh. to sort out all the homeworks that he needs to do. Uh-oh. And then come up with a checklist yeah and ask him to go through that checklist to see if he did everything <laughs> and did he do half of it yeah yeah, yeah. he oh, did most good. of it but you oh, know it's just like one or two of them like missing as we say if i can use a food metaphor the fallen sesame seeds ma, right yes he has lots of fallen sesame seeds all needs, over the ground that you need to pick up mm-hmm. <laughs> but Sister-wise, I mean, Rihanna, she's good. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's able, but she's just like, you know, complaining the whole time when she's doing the homework. Mm, it's interesting how two kids, same mom, same dad. I think uh, we should get into our menu and tell people what's going to happen in today's show. That's right. Okay, so let's get into our menu. In our first course, we'll tell you all about garlic and why some people are suggesting it is a great way to boost your immunity. In our second course, I'm going to head into the Feast Meets West test kitchen to create a cold garlicky app. That's right, just for you, Ellen Chu. I love garlic. Good thing. Just to let you know, okay? We'll be sampling that dish right here in the studio. In our third course. And And, uh, sorry about our garlicky breath. Well, I guess, you know, our listeners don't mind. That's right. You can imagine our garlicky breath. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was going to say you can imagine our rose-smelling breath, (laughs) even though it's going to be garlicky. Right. All right, we're going to go into our first song today. And just a little bit of a hint as to why we're introducing garlic is because some people say it helps uh, boost your immunity. And it is very important with the coronavirus going Mm -hmm. around right now that your immune system has to be really up there. That's right. Right. It won't prevent the virus, but it will definitely help your body become mm-hmm. stronger. Here's a song called Dikan Li, and it is called Immunity by Zhang Meiqi Maggie. We're going to be talking about garlic when we return. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh. 
first course. Okay, we are back on our first course today. We're going to be talking about garlic in just a moment. But I, I want to ask you, you were uh, at the school, for your kid's school, mm-hmm. um, early in the morning on Tuesday when the kids went back after a two-week delay. What was it like at the school? Was everybody wearing face masks? What was the procedure? Every school has different requirements, but most of the local school in Taiwan is required that kids need to wear masks. All mm-hmm. day long. Wow. And for my kids' school, it's required too. Mm. But I heard some of the international school, like other international, like the American school or European school, it's not required. Really? Why is that? I have no idea. Is mask is optional. Mm. Only if you feel that you're scared of it, then mm. you wear it. Well, that's actually the same thing here at RTI. You don't have to wear a mask when you come in. It's it's optional for now. Right. But the thing is that, you know, a lot of parents would get freaked out mm-hmm. because, you know, it is really important because nowadays when you look into the news, I was talking to some of the doctors, the dangerous part is some of the incubation period people don't show any of the symptoms. So this is the scary part about this virus. So Mm. this person uh, might not even be striking a fever, but can be contagious. Mm. So when the kids got to the school, they were wearing masks. Um, You checked their temperature? And we have to check their temperature. So like for today, uh, our screening process was that anything above 37.5 degrees Celsius Then we will pull them to the side mm-hmm. where the nurse will use, you know, a ear, ear thermometer. A ear thermometer. And you were yeah. using the gun to the forehead, right. right? Okay. So those might have discrepancies or, you know, it might not be that accurate. So in order for the nurse to, to use her ear thermometer, I think it's more accurate. Mm-hmm. And she can sanitize it less. If we use it on everyone, you have to sanitize it like, you know. You use up a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. And then you have to like the disposable, you know, headpiece, then it would be yeah. like a lot of waste. So the thing is that we do the the first screening first. And then if we have a problem, then like, you know, a few of them, like today, I think four students had a, you know, temperature that was uh, the like, whole school. Right. Mm. Was above like 37.5. It was like mm. 37.8. Mm. And then they were sent to the nurse. But the thing is that some kids are wearing like bulky jackets in the morning. And it was, it hot, was today. hot today. Yeah. So the nurse would ask them to take off the jackets, sit there for 20 minutes. Yeah. And then redo their temperature. And then it was fine. Then they let them in. And how long was the whole process? Did it take forever? No, actually, it went very smooth because we actually had four tables put out. Mm. So, you know, kids could line up in different direction. Mm-hmm. Even our principal came out. Oh, that's great. She is a nun. Uh-huh. Yeah, she was out there, you know, taking with a little gun. Never a nun with a gun. Right, little gun. <laughs> Well, in today's program, we are going to be talking about a food topic that is connected to the COVID-19 outbreak, Mm -hmm. and that is garlic. And the reason is because they say that garlic boosts your immunity. And I'm just going to play you a little report so you can hear about garlic sales in Taiwan. Will garlic give you immunity from coronavirus? This woman certainly thinks so. She says she heard that 
eating garlic can kill germs. In the central county of Yunling, shoppers are scrambling to buy garlic, with sales growing by at least 20 percent. Business is booming for this garlic vendor. He says it costs $4.30 U.S. for 600 grams. That's because people are eating it to boost their immunity. There is a growing demand for garlic essence as well. Orders for garlic essence made by a farmer's union have doubled following the Lunar New Year holiday. A union staff member says the product has been out of stock for three weeks. But why the compound found in fresh garlic, Ellison, can help boost immunity? Doctors say eating too much can irritate your stomach and intestines. Paula Chell, RTI News. Okay, so 20% increase in garlic sales. Interesting. And we should remind you, of course, that garlic does not prevent you from getting the flu, coronavirus, anything like that. The thing is that if you're healthy and your immunity is high, you Mm. know, you're less prone to catch flus and to be infected by these viruses. That's true. But there is still a chance that you get it. Yes, so you do cannot just rely on it. Of course, but it's good to, you know, to, to exercise, get good sleep, mm-hmm. wash your hands, be healthy. We want to just tell you a little bit about garlic. Uh, it's native to Central Asia, northeastern Iran. Mm-hmm. It has a history of several thousand years of human consumption. It was known by the ancient Egyptians, and it's been used for thousands of years as both food flavoring and a traditional medicine. Interestingly, in ancient Rome, it was much used for food among the poor. These days, of course, you know, everybody likes garlic in their food. Well, not everybody, but many people. I know people that don't like garlic at all. What is wrong with them? Right. (laughs) Garlic is the best thing. Interestingly, China produces some 80% of the world's supply of garlic. Wow. Mm. And South China Morning Post actually uh, had some reports saying that garlic is rich in a compound called allicin. Mm. And this is the compound that can help fight the flu and the common cold. Mm. So maybe people will think that it will help with the coronavirus. Mm. But we don't know, right? There's don't know. There's no study that proves that. Asian fermented black garlic is loaded with antioxidants. You know that? My my father's side family, they're from northern China, and they do eat a lot of these fermented black garlic. Mm, we had that in our show once, you remember? Yeah, it yeah, but so it's strong. Good. It's so strong, but it's good. Mm, good, okay? good. And it could be added to double-boiled soup for its subtle sweetness. Mm. Wow. There's an executive Chinese chef, Leng Fai Hong, at a restaurant called Hoi King Hin in okay. Hong Kong, and he recommends pan fried Angus beef tenderloin with black and fresh garlic. That sounds good. Mm, that does sounds sound good. good. You know, with all my veggies, I love to stir fry it with garlic. You know, mm. just adds that flavor into it. And especially after you stir fry it, and the big chunks of garlic mm. becomes a little bit soft. Mm. I love eating them. I pick out all the garlic and I eat it. I love that too. I yeah. love the um, baked garlic. Oh, those are good too. Do the whole clove, you right? Spread it on your beef. Mm. Mm. Or on toast. Mm. Wow. So in the New Straits Times, there was an article that interviewed nutritionist Dr. Serena Hanim Hamza. And she said based on scientific research around the world, garlic ginger dark chocolate and green tea are good for the body so that vitamin d and probiotics from yogurt improve the immune system so get some vitamin d and some probiotics 
Mm-hmm. Um, and if you want vitamin D, you can have fatty fish like tuna, mackerel, and salmon. Also, there are some foods that are fortified with vitamin D like dairy products, orange juice, soy milk, and cereals. Uh, you can also have beef liver, cheese, and egg yolks. Mmm. Mm. In just nice. a moment, I'm going to make you something, Ellen Chu. You're making me something? I'm making you something in the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen. Oh, okay. A garlicky treat, a little app, an appetizer. Ooh, a chilled one. That's right. Okay. But first, another song, also called Immunity, Mianyi Li. Mm-hmm. And it's by Rick Huang, Huang Shanliang. Huang Shanliang. He looks familiar. Okay. Um, but let's have a listen to this song. Rick Huang. And then we'll join you from the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen in just a moment. Chinsi 将我全部占据给我你的基因给我空气we're back on Feast Meets West, and we are in the Feast Meets West Test Kitchen. And because our topic today is a very garlicky topic, so I am going to create a very garlicky app for Ellen Chu. Now, this is going to be one of those little xiao cai, uh, just a little dish to accompany any sort of meal. Um, and it's not necessarily... Chinese or Taiwanese food per se, but it definitely uh, is a recipe that I found in Chinese on the internet, um, which I've tweaked a little bit. This comes from AJ's Travel Map. Uh, so what this is, is it's going to be a, a salad made out of anaki mushrooms, baby corn, and carrots. And uh, I think it would actually go perfectly with uh, maybe some barbecued meats or, uh, well, really any sort of um, meal that uh, could be served well with a fresh, crisp, savory appetizer. So uh, we're just going to start off by uh, washing our inaki mushrooms, cutting off the ends and splitting them apart. I'm also going to uh, just chop up my carrot into slightly larger than matchstick pieces. Uh, and I'm just taking the baby corn and also chopping that up into little dime-sized pieces that'll go nicely in the mouth. And now that I have my vegetables chopped up, I'm going to toss them in some boiling water just to parboil them. The whole process is going to take less than five minutes. 
Ingo, the Inaki mushrooms first. Those have to go in first because uh, they can be quite chewy if they're undercooked. Next, we put in the baby corn. And finally, we're gonna put in the uh, little slivers of carrot. And those three colors will go beautifully together. A little bit of a contrast in our dish. So now after about five minutes, we take out our vegetables and uh, I'm just gonna run them through cold water to uh, make sure that they're not cooking still. And then uh, I'm just going to mix up a little bit of a sauce here. We're gonna add some crushed garlic, a couple splashes of uh, soy sauce, some rice wine vinegar, and also some sesame oil. I'm gonna put three big tablespoons of that in there. Just mixing it together, and I'm gonna pour it over the top. And that's pretty much it. It's gonna go in the refrigerator overnight, and then um, tomorrow, when I'm in the studio with Alan Chu, we're just gonna top it off uh, with some toasted sesame seeds for the perfect refreshing appetizer. So there you have it, a very simple salad made out of baby corn and inaki mushrooms and slivers of carrots. Ryan House sesame. You found Ryan House sesame. What are you talking about? It's fallen all over this dish. <laughs> okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I just sprinkled some fresh baked sesame seeds over the top of Ellen Chu's garlicky app. So just to uh, tell you what's in there. Uh-huh. We have baby corn, mm. we have inaki mushrooms, we have carrots, mm -hmm. and we have a very garlicky sauce and it's topped by Toasted sesame seeds. Okay. Mmm. <laughs> this is so good. Wow, that sounds like a rave review. I love it. Wow, a little bit of crunch in there. Mmm. And I like the little garlicky taste. No. Plus the sesame flavor at the end that kicks in. A little sesame kick? Mm-hmm. Does it pass the uh, Ellen Chu test? Yes, this one passed. Do you know how this works? I'll tell you how this keeps you safe from COVID-19. Really? Okay. So you basically what you do is you eat it and then your breath smells terrible and no one comes near you. You don't so, need a mask. So they can't transmit any terrible diseases to you because you're keeping them away. <laughs> you know, I think that's one thing that, you know, garlic would help you. It's like eating garlic. It boosts your immune system. What it really does is give you that garlicky breath no one wants to be close to you. You're safe. Oh, my goodness. You're safe. The scientists didn't think about that, right? Mm -hmm. The nutritionists didn't think about it. But the sociologists, they're we, thinking about it. We decoded it. That's right. We mm -hmm. decoded it for you. That's mm -hmm. why Feast Means to West exists, essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. To bring you Good. the little uh, convergence between food and culture and... Anthropology. But I think it's good because this appetizer, it has the garlic to boost your immune system. Mm -hmm. It has a lot of the vitamins in there. Mm, the in veggies, red, yeah. The veggie, the mushroom, and also with the carrots, with the B, vitamin B. That's right. Right. That's right. It's also got a, a carotene in it, mm -hmm. right? Oh, it's good. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, ladies and gents. 
I think so. <laughs> Do you want to bring some home for uh, for Ryan Howell? Oh, okay, sure. And just be like, I found your and Sesame he, Street. No, I I would say I found your Sesame Street and your uh, not Sesame <laughs> your Sesame Seed and also your favorite vegetable carrots. Oh, that's right. He hates carrots. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm. poor Ryan uh-huh. Howell. Oh, we love him though. Yeah. So there you go. There is a fun little easy way to get some garlic in your diet and maybe it will help you boost your immune system and it will certainly keep your friends and family at arm's length. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, so if you're running out of mask, I think eating garlic is your solution. That's right. You heard it here first (laughs) on B-Sweets West. (laughs) Okay. All righty. So if you enjoyed today's program... Or if you hated it, you could also send us a letter. <laughs> P.O. Box maybe 123. Maybe some people said, what's wrong with garlicky breath, okay? Yeah, maybe you I love it. I love it, okay? I love kissing garlicky breath. All right, slide into our DMs, okay? All right. <laughs> our okay. address? Our address is P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at A-N-D-R-O-O at R-T-I dot And next Saturday, what are we going to do? We're going to be taking a look at what's called Wuhan. No. What? Why not? You don't dare to say Wuhan. Oh, at this I'm sorry. Moment. I'm sorry, but okay. it's it's just the food from Wuhan. We're no. not actually going to be going there. It can't be from Wuhan. You can't panic, Ellen Chu. No. It's made right here in Taiwan. Oh, okay. This whole show is about reducing people's stereotypes about China and people from Wuhan. We're going to be sampling their probably best known food here in the studio just to show you that you need to keep calm and carry on. Stay chill. That's right. Stay okay. chill. All right. Although this will be a hot food because it's called hot dry noodles. <laughs> All right. But stay chill while you're eating it. Exactly. And we do have to remind people that fear actually brings your immune system down. That's right. So stay brave. All right. One final song is called I Jin Kong. Yes. I guess it's like sort of like loving being healthy, right? Uh-huh. And it's by Chen Sihan. Okay. For Feast We Sauce, I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. See you next week. Bye.
心动，快点起来心动。Listen, are you listening? <laughs> This is the sound of my country. This is the sound of Taiwan. 台湾，一个小小的岛上，有一个大世界的声音。Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies: in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kilohertz, and in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kilohertz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's PO Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me/radiotaiwaninternational for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.